Hey now, we're live, ladies and gentlemen. It is Over the Line, brand new edition. I know you're so excited to be here, just like I am. Welcome, welcome to a brand new show. The show where we talk about yet another meltdown from the left. That's right. This time, the media is angry that the president didn't die from COVID. I mean, let's be real. That's that's what it comes down to. They're upset that the president didn't die from COVID. At, at least that's the feeling I get when I watch the reaction to the president going into the hospital, which they were getting, and then leaving the hospital on his own accord, walking out on his own two feet, they seem drastically disappointed. It's got to have been an emotional ro roller coaster for them over the weekend. And there's part of me that, I don't know, maybe I feel a little sorry for them. You know, you, you get your hopes up about something really the most important moment of your life, the possibility of the best thing ever happening to you, and that's the riddance of Donald Trump. And then it just doesn't happen. It's yanked out from under you. All your hopes, all your dreams, your aspirations, just gone. You don't get what you want. That's what happened to the left. It's what happened to the media. Now, I want to go through a timeline because yesterday's podcast, y'all saw, we talked, uh, and I encourage you to go watch or listen to yesterday's podcast if you have not. Um, it's got to do with Joe Biden and his very racist past. I'm not talking about things that could be taken as racist or, you know, they may or may not be taken out of context. No, they're blatantly racist. And I go through just a portion of Joe Biden's racist past that he has yet to apologize for. He's yet to say he's turned away from those things. He's yet to condemn them. And last week was full of talk of, of disavowing, disavow the Proud Boys, disavow these white people, disavow these white supremacists. But nobody's asking Joe Biden to disavow Joe Biden. And so that needs to happen. Maybe we can do that in the next debate. We'll see. Since, since Joe Biden's former assistant is the moderator. I don't see that happening. But go listen to that if you haven't. But today I want to go through the timeline of what we watched the president go through. In the last week, the president came down with COVID, positive test. He, he catches it. He says, hey, you know, I'm fine, whatever. And then for, as a precautionary measure, they decide to go to Walter Reed. Walter Reed is the hospital that all the presidents are treated at. They go there. He can be provided the best care, be monitored 24-7. He goes. He gets checked out. They give him some preventative uh, uh, medicine to, to, to just stay ahead of this thing, which is obviously smart. These guys know what they're doing. And the president never really seems to have, have, have suffered any severe or adverse effects from, from any of it. He seemed to be fine throughout the whole thing. He even puts out videos updating the American public saying, hey, here I am. I'm good. Everything's good. I feel great. We're, uh, we're ready to get back to work. You can even go through the president's Twitter feed and see the videos 
that he posted. Here's one where he was, I guess, at the end of his stay at Walter Reed and letting people know, hey, I feel great. I'm about to get back to work. Just wanted to update the American people. We're getting great reports from the doctors. This is an incredible hospital, Walter Reed. The work they do is just absolutely amazing, and I want to thank them all, the nurses, the doctors, everybody here. I've also gotten to meet some of the soldiers and the first responders, and what a group. I also think we're going to pay a little surprise to some of the great patriots that we have out on the street, and they've been out there for a long time, and they've got Trump flags, and they love our country. So I'm not telling anybody but you, but I'm about to make a little surprise visit. So perhaps I'll get there before you get to see me. Uh, but I just, uh, when I look at the enthusiasm, and we have enthusiasm like probably nobody's ever had. Our people that love the job we're doing, we have more enthusiasm than maybe anybody. So uh, it's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. And it's a very interesting thing. And I'm going to be letting you know about it. In the meantime, we love the USA and we love what's happening. Thank so there's, there's the president on his way out. Now, it's important to note, as you probably know, there were tons and tons of supporters out at outside Walter Reed for days, days while he was in the hospital. And, and they were there for no other reason just than just to show support for the president, say, hey, we're behind you, we're praying for you, we hope you get well soon, Donald Trump. The president sees that, and he says, well, you know, since we're leaving, we got to at least take the motorcade by there, and I'll wave at him as we pass just to show him a little appreciation and, and really show them that I'm fine and show the rest of the world I'm fine. It's more than just showing the people in this country. It's showing the world leaders across the globe, hey, we're good, especially when it comes to our enemies, to say, hey, if, if you thought that you were about to— uh, have it made because Donald Trump had kicked the bucket or he's uh, he's not able to do the job. Think again, buddy, because we're good. We're good to go. And it was good. It was a good decision on the president's part to do that. He also, he also went through and um, bought the crowd of people pizza <laughs> to throw like a pizza party. He did. Apparently, he ordered tons of pizza and sent it to all the supporters outside as kind of a thank you, which is one of the most practical things you can do. Sounds simple enough, right? But here you have a president working for free, and he's still doing things like that. Bought dinner for all the people out there showing him support, and it was a very nice gesture, gesture and, and appreciated by all of those people. But if you go and look, and for those of you on YouTube, you can see this. You look after he posted that video that you just heard. Look at his tweets. You go through, and this was the next day after he posted that video as he's getting ready to go home. Stock market highs, vote, strongest ever military vote. These are all separate tweets. Law and order, vote. Religious liberty, vote. Biggest tax cut ever and another one coming, vote. 401k, vote. Best VA ever, 91% approval rating, vote. Space Force, vote. Massive regulation cuts, vote.
pro-life, vote. <laughs> Better and cheaper health care, vote. And he just goes on and on and on. And it, it was at that point people said, the president's back. He's good. He He's good. I mean, you can just... That's that's the scale for the president. If you need to know if the president's okay or not, health-wise, you just look at his Twitter and see what it says. This right here is is a dead giveaway that the president is back in tip-top shape and he's ready to go. So he goes through all that. He makes his way back to the White House. And once he gets to the White House, he posts a little video to, again, update the American people and say, hey... I'm good to go. Here's what I experienced, and we are ready to move forward and continue continue to make America great again. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment, we have the best medicines, all developed recently, and you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago, two days ago I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. Now, that's one of the most important messages that I think the president could have given. And that was, don't let COVID-19 run your life. Don't be so scared that you are in a state of of being in the fetal position because of COVID-19. Because we can beat it. We, as a country, we're, we are beating it. We're defeating the virus day after day after day. And unfortunately, there is one particular political party that has taken a big portion of the country, whipped them into a frenzy, and, and they have them terrified of something there's no need to be terrified about. The survival rates for age brackets is 99% across the board until you get to 70 and older. And then guess what? It's 94%. You've got a 94% chance of surviving coronavirus if you are 70 or older. If you are under that age, you have a 99% chance of survival. And the younger you are, the higher it is. All the way up to 99.98%. And ironically, the, the, the average age of death from coronavirus is 78 years old. The, the life expectancy currently in the U.S., guess what it is? 78 years old. I know. I posted a meme just yesterday, and it said, on the bright side, 
No one has died from old age since March. And it's probably true. Let's be honest. We've all heard the stories. A lot of us know somebody personally that have dealt with a family member passing away and COVID-19 being put on their death certificate as a cause of death. And it had nothing to do with it. So when it comes down to it, we're being lied to about the numbers. We're being misled about the survival rate. And it's all in an attempt to scare the American public. It's also why Democrats are pushing so hard for mail-in voting. Because they realize they've put their voting base in a position to where they are going to be scared to go to the polls. And why wouldn't they be? Look at what Democrats have been telling them for the past few months. they got to be terrified. So all that happens with the president getting out of Walter Reed. He gets in the motorcade. He waves at supporters. He buys a pizza. He gets back to the White House. And when he originally left, I saw an article posted on MSNBC's social media. I think it was on Facebook. And it was an article that said, the president leaves Walter Reed and drives by supporters to thank them for their support. And I thought, well, what's the catch? That seems like a very generic headline coming from MSNBC. Like, where, where's the, what's the bad part of that? Because if MSNBC's posting it, there's got to be a catch. There's got to be a reason that whatever the president is doing is a bad thing. And I study these media outlets like the back of my hand, so I know. It was very odd to me that there was just a generic headline about the president and there was nothing negative about it. So I click on the article and I, uh, there's a video attached. It's not really any, there's no words. It's not an actual article. It's just the video. And I watched the video and I thought, well, that's strange. There was nothing on there with MSNBC taking shots at the president. And, and I don't see anything wrong with him driving by in the motorcade with the windows up waving at the supporters who have been out there for days to support him. But then, as the hours went on, I started to realize why they posted that. They posted it to set up this narrative that Donald Trump put the Secret Service members in danger. That he put a whole lot of other people in danger just by leaving the hospital and going back to the White House. And I said, uh, okay, well, it makes sense. And they knew they were doing that. They, they weren't actually just, for the first time in a long time, reporting news. They were setting up that narrative. So that's where we are today. On CNN, you've got uh, a, a panel of three, a doctor, uh, whatever the one guy's name is, I can't remember, and then Dana Bash. And they're talking about the president leaving in the motorcade and even what this means as far as him being in contact with the Secret Service agents. Because you know CNN, they really know, uh, they, they really know the Secret Service like the back of their hand, you know, real tough, rugged men. They're just like them, right? They're, they're all the same. This is what happened on CNN with this little roundtable. Listen to some of this. So precious and fragile, and it needs to be protected. 
it needs to be protected, and any president deserves the best protection, obviously. And um, we'll see. We could hear from the president's doctors any minutes. We know he is agitating to get out of the hospital and come back to the White House. And, Dana, that agitation is built on the president thinks it looks weak to be hospitalized in any case. He thinks he does not want to be hospitalized and look weak uh, 29 days uh, before an election. And so he took a joyride last night, putting two Secret Service agents at deep risk in an SUV, and he tweeted out this video in which the president said having COVID has taught him a lot. Listen. It's been a very interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. And I get it and I understand it. Uh, what does he get and understand if he's putting those two Secret Service agents at risk, uh, leaving the hospital four, maybe five days into his symptoms, when any doctor would tell you it should be at least 10 days? And when you see, as Caitlin just outlined, the continued behavior at the White House, the president himself goes to a fundraiser after being told Hope Hicks is positive and that he was definitely exposed. Kaylee McEnany in the briefing room after being around Hope Hicks in, in, at the White House again yesterday. Uh, they have not learned the lessons. No, uh, two things. Number one, um, why is, does it take going to coronavirus, uh, getting coronavirus to go to school? I mean, he has an entire COVID task force that has been set up. Um, why didn't he go? Why didn't he, you right. know, study <laughs> uh, not as a patient, but as a pre I don't know. Maybe because actually having coronavirus would give you the 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 the, the teaching or, or, or the learning experience that you could only get from actually contracting the disease? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. President, that's number one. But number two, um, you're absolutely right. He, he is trying to tr politically um, at least somehow find a silver lining, which is um, show empathy, show understanding with that statement that you just heard from the president. But you're right, it completely flies in the face of the actions that the president has taken not just beforehand, which was reckless in going to have a meeting uh, with his own donors in New Jersey, knowing that he was very likely exposed. But even while he is in Walter Reed, I mean, we've heard and uh, from from doctors who are working there saying, are you kidding me? This is a, a ridiculous idea to go into his car, which is hermetically sealed with other people. It's just not fair. I mean, look, those Secret Service agents, um, that's what they go in for. They train to take a bullet for the president. But I don't think they train to take a bullet from the president. And in this case, the bullet being COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't train to take a bullet from the president. When do you think the last time is CNN talked about the concerns of the Secret Service, like what these guys go through? You think you think they've ever talked about that? You think they've ever even cared what the Secret Service goes through? Because that's the first time I've heard them talk about it. I, I've never, ever heard them mention anything about the Secret Service. And a good point was made by someone who actually was in the Secret Service, and that's Dan Bongino. He was on Fox & Friends yesterday, and he really broke it down, I think, in, in, in the best way possible, being in the Secret Service of, of what these guys go through and how disingenuous these people in the media are talking about what they do and don't go through. Listen to a little bit of Dan Bongino here. 
This is um, this is something that only he's going to be able to tell you about. You know, Steve, we don't get to be worried because that's not what we do. Um, and this story is infuriating, infuriating. No one gave a damn. Listen to me. I'd like to say something else, but it's cable news and it's the morning show. Yep. No one gave a damn about the Secret Service when the Secret Service was at risk knowingly, where other protectees knowingly put them at risk in other situations. I didn't hear any stories. Steve, do you remember the story about the friend of mine who caught chicken guinea fever in Africa? Remember that one? I do. No, of course you don't, because you never heard about it. What we have? No, you didn't hear. Why didn't you hear about that one? What about when a guy who's on the guy by the name of Dan Bongino, you're talking about, what about when I caught dengue fever in South Africa with another protectee? You remember mm -hmm. that story? Yeah, you don't remember that either, do you? Um, what about the hundreds of other agents who get sick every year traveling around the world for photo ops who protect these from both parts? You know why you don't hear about that story? Because that's not what we do. We're not a bunch of whiners. We go out and we protect the president of the United States and the president of the United States gets to act like the president of the United States without having to worry about us because we signed on to take the worry for him. Listen to me. Someone was getting in that car or that helicopter and closing that door and protecting the president of the United States infected or not. Someone was going to do it. And these guys and the women of the Secret Service are the ones that had the nerve to do it. So to, so to these media buffoons, you clowns who don't know the first thing about honor, dignity, or courage. I know you wouldn't get in that car with the president with a mask or a full bubble mm. suit because you're chumps and cowards and spineless losers. We all know that. But don't you dare utter the word Secret Service again because you know nothing about these men or women, why they do what they do, how they wound up in that car, why they did it, and they do it again tomorrow. So how about you just shut your mouths, put your caboose in a chair, and sit this one out? I did hear someone say, we don't even know the situation of those Secret Service uh, individuals. They might have already had COVID. Or maybe yes. there's plexiglass in between uh, the front seat and the back seat, like all the New York City taxi cabs and Ubers. Well, um, Ainsley, you, you, God forbid, go like you're actually asking sensible questions. I don't expect that of these media buffoons who have the spines of a jellyfish to be commenting on the risk they're in. Again, I don't remember any of those stories when we took knowing risks. You know, when I remember when I was over in Afghanistan with Obama and we had to turn the lights out for Air Force One so we didn't get hit with IDF mm. mortar fire. Remember that story? Yeah, nobody else does either because we don't talk about it. That's what we do. And everyone else in the media commenting all of a sudden they care. They're using this story to bash Trump right. and it's disgusting. Dan, it was a week ago when you were on the All program. of a sudden, all of a sudden, the media cares about the Secret Service. They don't care about the Secret Service. Dan Bongino is exactly right. And by the way, Dan Bongino, uh, as that clip goes on, he talks about he's got a, a, a tumor on his neck, and he's in, I think he's in New York getting that dealt with. So thoughts and prayers for Dan Bongino as he uh, deals with that. I love that guy. Super, super awesome guy, smart guy, and and on top of the important stories. He's got a podcast as well. If you ain't listening to that, you are missing out. I'll make sure you check that out. We'd love to have him on the show sometime. Maybe we can hook that up. But he's right. The media does not care about the Secret Service. The sympathy that they're playing. Oh, the poor Secret Service having to get in the car with the president. It has got coronavirus. These brave men and women are doing their job. A job that they love. A job that they will give their life 
for. When they clock in each day, they're not worried about coronavirus. They're worried about one thing and one thing only. That is protecting the President of the United States. Whether that is Donald J. Trump, whether that is Barack Obama, George Bush, or Bill Clinton. They are worried about one thing and one thing only. Now, they may be a little nervous if they're on the vice president's detail that somebody like Joe Biden will start skinny dipping in front of them, which is a thing that has happened in the past. But outside of that, they're afraid of nothing. Nothing at all. So, the medium with their disingenuous concern. They continue on. They boohoo for the poor, poor Secret Service agents that they care so, so deeply about. But it doesn't hold a candle to their outrage of Donald Trump leaving Walter Reed Medical Center and going back to the White House. Because the media cares so deeply about each and every person that is in that White House. They care so much about the Kaylee McEnany's and, and, the, and the Kellyanne Conways. They care about Mike Pence and his family. They care so deeply about these people and they don't want them to get sick with coronavirus. That would be awful. Even though they were seemingly upset that Donald Trump was able to walk out of Walter Reed on his own accord. They care so deeply about these people. So when Trump went back to the White House, the media lost their ever-loving mind. Was watching Chris Cuomo, one of the Cuomo bros of CNN, brother of, of uh, Andrew Cuomo, who's currently threatening to shut down synagogues in New York. That's a whole nother story. And he... <laughs> This is, this is wild. He decided uh, he was going to give his two cents on the president going back to the White House. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy at all. Take a little bit of, uh, take a moment and listen to Andrew Cuomo on CNN just last night. Imagine if we had access to what he had access to that he ignores, that he abuses. Life would be totally different. He didn't just walk into the White House one time with no mask tonight. He had his video crew capture that stupid scene again so he could put out propaganda, fronting a lie to his people once again, just like, don't worry about the mask. Now he says, don't worry about COVID. Don't let it control your life. It's just propaganda. That's all it is. I know this sound to it. I'm not going to play it for you. Why should I? How much bullshit do you need in your life? Don't let COVID control your life. Nobody wants it to control their life. They don't have any choice because you're not setting up communities with the testing that you take for granted. A hospital suite and 24-hour care and experimental drugs and all the best of everything all the time. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have it. I'm saying you should. Isn't that his damn job is to kill himself? You know, he loves to work. Then do the work. A leader. A leader would go. A leader would go and do everything you're not supposed to do and force people into places where they can get sick. We've never had anyone get sick. Yeah, tell it to the people in the Rose Garden, the only place we can reasonably contact trace. 
Who the hell knows who's at his rallies? How are you going to find them? You think they're going to come forward and say, I got sick at a Trump rally? And he takes off his mask while he's still infected. Like, that's some show of strength. It's as weak as it gets. Of course you should be afraid of COVID. It's killed more than 200,000, 210,000 of us. Don't be afraid of COVID. 10,000 have died in the last 13 days. Don't be afraid of COVID. It just took down the most powerful and protected person in the world. He had to go to the hospital. His continued recklessness makes it impossible to be sympathetic. I feel for his wife. I don't even know how she's doing. Whoa. Wow. There's Chris Cuomo. Not a happy camper. Now, as he went through his little rant there, uh, I counted one, two, three, four, five, six lies, which... That's neither here nor there. We don't have to worry about that. But he did say, um, you don't have a choice but to allow COVID-19 to run your life. You actually do have a choice, believe it or not. I know that's shocking. He said, everyone should have the same health care that the president does. And no, nobody is. Uh, nobody has afforded that. That <laughs> We would not be able to operate in that fashion. And he said... He said uh, that the president is forcing people to get into large crowds in close quarters and be next to each other and be in, 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 in danger of, of catching COVID. I have yet to hear of anybody that was forced to go to a Trump rally. Um, and the list goes on and on. So whew. what this comes down to, ladies and gentlemen, is one thing and one thing only. The media is not sympathetic towards the people in the White House. They're not sympathetic towards the Secret Service. They're not sympathetic towards the president. There's one reason and one reason only that they're upset. And that is the president of the United States made it out alive. Look how their story changed. From the time the president contracted the virus, or we found out he contracted the virus, to the time he left Walter Reed. It started off of, well, he probably doesn't even have it. He's lagging in the polls, so he's trying to get sympathy from the American public. He gets to the hospital. Oh, he's in the hospital. This must be serious. The doctors are lying to us. A much respected doctor. A much respected doctor at, at, at Walter Reed, Dr. Conley. Because he treated the president and he updated the media, guess what? He's now being trashed. He's being called a liar. An active duty soldier. Being called a liar by the media. Simply because he's updating the president's health. Because it's got to be much worse than what Dr. Conley's saying. Well, it's not. It's not because now we've seen the president. On video. On TV. Walking out of the hospital. Walking into the White House. And he's fine. That's why the media is mad. The media is mad. The president made it out. And they're mad because he proved them wrong on every point since we found out this man had coronavirus. Angry. Angry. And that'll continue. That'll absolutely continue. The media will continue to melt down. And you can watch that throughout the day. 
It'll be exciting, I promise you. Tonight, if you are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast on October the 6th, 2020, tonight is the first vice presidential debate. Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. It is one I encourage you to watch if you dare sit through it. It won't be as exciting as Trump versus Biden, but it's something important to watch nonetheless. Mike Pence, very well-spoken individual, and uh, I plan on him being able to handle that. Another thing to watch, and I noticed this just a few weeks ago, Mike Pence, who is pretty reserved, cool, calm, collective, and even quiet, has really ramped up his campaign persona, I guess you would say. He's really ramped it up, and he's got some fire that I haven't seen since he became vice president. You'll notice that. You'll notice that tonight when you watch this debate. Mike Pence knows what he's doing, and he's good at what he does. And I think it's very underappreciated. Now, Kamala Harris is apparently, or her team at least, has requested plexiglass to be between her and Mike Pence. The Biden campaign responded Monday after Vice President Mike Pence's team mocked Biden's running mate, Senator Kamala Harris, for requesting a plexiglass barrier at their vice presidential debate. Katie Miller, who's Pence's uh, spokeswoman, said, if Senator Harris wants to use a fortress around herself, have at it. (laughs) It's funny because we know the vice president isn't infected. He's tested just as much as the president is because he's around the president probably more than anybody else. They will also be tested before the debate, as will everybody that is involved in the debate, whether they're there to watch or the moderators or the camera crew. Everybody's tested. But Senator Kamala Harris wants plexiglass, not as a safety precaution, but she wants the optics of having plexiglass in between them to say, look, I had to take all these extra precautions because the Trump administration is so reckless. They're so reckless. But at least I'm strong enough here doing the debate. That's what we're looking at. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not. YouTube.com slash over the line. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. If you haven't heard us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcast platform, make sure you subscribe there as well and share over the line with your friends. They will love you for it, I promise. Probably not, but at least they'll see it, and that's our big concern. Until next time, see you, Cole.